What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining us today is Brandon Copeland, a professional football player for the New England Patriots in the National Football League. Brandon played college football at the University of Pennsylvania, where he was the captain of the 2012 Ivy League championship winning team. He graduated from Wharton with a bachelor's in economics. He is a husband, father, brother, son, Forbes 30 under 30 recipient, brand consultant at Copeland Media, financial wellness professor at UPenn, a 501c3 co-founder, real estate developer, venture investor, motivational speaker. Brandon Copeland, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you. Why you... (laughs) It's funny why you were saying all that stuff. I'm like, geez, I need to stop doing some stuff, right? Like it's a, <laughs> it's it's a, it's it's pretty cool, man. Thank you, thank you for that that intro. Yeah, my pleasure. I mean, you earned it. Um, let's. I want to talk about that actually. Let's get into that a little bit later, like kind of how you manage all those things. Mm-hmm. But let's go back in time just to kick it off. Would love to learn a little bit about your upbringing. I know you come from an athlete family. In some regards, I saw your grandfather played in the NFL. So take us through your upbringing. Where did you grow up? How did, when did you know you were going to have the opportunity to compete professionally, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. So grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, you know, mom working extremely hard for two two young boys to, to you know, make a living for us, right? Uh, my dad, he was there in and out. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've recently we've rekindled our relationship and, and re, rebuilding that, that relationship, which has been awesome. You know, one of the positive things that come from the pandemic amidst all the chaos and stuff. Um, but grew up in Baltimore, like I said, and, and, you know, for me, I always wanted to play basketball and football, basketball and football, right. It, to be quite honest with you, if I was a little bit taller and a little less big boned, I'd probably hopefully be playing for, you know, the Lakers or something right now, but, Ultimately, you know, I, I am a, a hefty husky guy, so to speak. So, you know, football just always became natural to me, right? I think that um, I think when I was when, when I was young, like I started football in fourth grade. I'd say it, it just, you know, at that point in time, it wasn't that I was like, oh, I'm going to the NFL. But at that point in time, it was like, you know, where basketball I had to work on. It felt uh hold on sorry here you might as well just let him say hi at this point <laughs> who we got no nah, you're all good little man just dot barged in the room so say hi but <laughs> you just you get on this is bryson this is my son bryson say hi <laughs> count to 10 for us please. one okay keep going yeah two there you go. Usually I throw him up after three. So you got some <laughs> well, banking on it. You got to go. Have Bryson do it in Japanese now. Right, right. 
Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye there. You're training him for the Ivy League early. I like hey, it. Hey, man. That's that's my, my amazing wife. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> this Airbnb, he literally just... Do, 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 do. All I hear is step, 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 barge in the door. But oh, no worries. Um, um, I'm curious, like, you know, you mentioned your dad being in and out. When I saw your website and when I just saw that happen right in front of me, I'm yeah. thinking, you, you know, you're a present father. Yeah. So, yeah. What, you know, if you weren't given that growing up, how did you become that? Yeah, great question, man. I think, uh, you know, I, I think my, my dad, unfortunately, he had his, um, he had battles with alcoholism, still has battles with alcoholism. He's, he's a recovering addict and um, he's going on a, a bunch of months sober at this point, which is good. But I think, you know, when he was sober, he was the greatest dad in the world, there, present, giving and all that stuff. But the problem is his one of his vices, you know, unfortunately made him a totally different individual. And that's the same thing that a lot of people deal with and I think that you know he gave us a skeleton of a blueprint of how to do it along with my grandfather showing us you know through love how to be a a present active grandfather and I think that you know growing up it made me want to make sure that I was always that and and I'm not perfect right like none of us are um I think that you know, as we, we talk, I mean, the reason why when you said the thing about your, the, when I said that thing about the intro of like, I need to stop yeah. is one of the things that I'm personally battling with right now is saying no, making sure that some of my off the field things are more passive yep. uh, because I'm such a micromanager because now I realize that the only people making a sacrifice when I say yes to more things and more passions and hobbies and stuff, or that's just less time with my wife and, and son, right? And, and so and yourself, so you can kind of decompress and not have to turn to drinks or something else to kind of balance it all out. Yeah, 100%. Well, I love my work. That's one thing I'm, I'm fortunate, right? Like, I think a lot of people look at some of the stuff I'm doing, and they're like, Oh, you know, he's just doing it's just a side hustle. It's just this. I am one of those blessed people where it's like, I don't have to do anything that I don't want to do, right? Like, I don't have to teach a course <laughs> if I don't want to, right? Like, it's probably more profitable for me not to do it, right? Like, I don't have to, we don't, my wife and I, we don't have to run our foundation. We don't have to try to give back during the, the year, right? I know that those are bad things to potentially say, but like, we don't have to do real estate. I don't have to do those things, but like, I just enjoy them. I enjoy looking at a house that's just wood, right? <laughs> just a shell, and then figuring out, well, okay, how long is this wall? Well, we can put the kitchen there. Let's kind of plan this. Well, the dishwasher should be over here. Well, actually, if we turned it around like this, we can make it a little island and put some pendant lights. Like, I just actually naturally enjoy the stuff. So, yeah. like, I'm fortunate to be one of those people who can execute on his passions. And and that's, I, I understand it's a blessing. It's a privilege. Uh, but I also understand when I, there's a certain point where you got to be like, hey, bro, like, chill on your passion because baby boy you know wants to play in the pool today or baby boy wants to do this today or you know our wifey deserves you gotta have, you gotta have that balance time, um, totally get that i want to go back a little bit just you mentioned your dad having some issues with alcohol 
did that impact your relationship with alcohol? I mean, I went to Cornell, big drinking school. You went to Penn. Like my buddy this morning was asking me, Brendan, why don't you drink coffee? I was like, <laughs> my parents drank four cups a day each. Wow. Yeah. Dank in the house, never had brown teeth. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to be a tea guy, man, for life. Yeah. So, you know, how did you ever, like, maybe you just never were like pulled to alcohol the way maybe your father was, but what was your relationship given that? No, I think originally it was, you know, I drink today. Um, I, I, I'm a, an occasional drinker, I guess. Originally, I remember being in high school. Clearly, you know, you're not supposed to be drinking in high school at all. Uh, but like, you know, a lot of kids were right. And I remember just being like, no, I don't want to touch it. Don't want to. If I never touch it, then I never risk having this issue. And I think that, you know, for for me, I was young enough to know that it was clearly a strong issue, an actual disease like people will call it, because as a kid, you're just like, well, at first, you know, you're just kind of like, well, are you saying you love alcohol more than you love me? You know, right? Like, I just need you to do right just to be with me, right? You're choosing that over me, right? Um, and so I never wanted to even risk that. And then eventually it came a point in time where I was like, right now I'm, I'm more living in fear of repeating the cycle, which a lot of people scare you into, especially at a young age, like they say, it's hereditary and all that stuff. Right. And I had to take a real strong look at myself and think like, okay, I am Brandon Copeland and I can do certain things, but I also have to make sure that I never, I remain conscious and never let it become an issue. I don't, I have to set parameters and all of those things. So it definitely has affected my relationship with alcohol, but I also think that fortunately, be, because of my career path as well it's not that you can't drink or you know there's a lot of guys in the nfl doing <laughs> a lot of different things right but yep. but ultimately i for me in season i don't drink right when i'm in major training time right now march right before we go to, to off-season program and off-season training if we have it this year right I don't drink, right? Like, so there's a lot of periods for months out of the year that I won't touch a drink. And then when I am drinking, it's a, a, an event, a Super Bowl, a weekend, gathering up with people. And I'm also, my wife doesn't drink at all either. So um, she has never had a drink in her life. So, you know, a lot of times that's just kind of like deters you from wanting to, because you're just like, I'm just going to be the the blabbering fool by the end of this and she's just going to be clear and crystal and looking at me like oh you know it's like when you're in college walking in that party and you were sober and yep. you're just like what the hell like this is do I really act like this <laughs> so yeah I dated this woman who didn't drink at all and I barely drank for that year of our relationship mm -hmm. and I was actually coaching a guy former Eagles player and so me and my buddy drove out to Philly and he knew the owner of this restaurant, a Vietnamese place. And he came out of the back with all these bottles of cognac and Hennessy. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm an alcoholic, but like, I know I am. So this is fine. <laughs> and, you know, like I, I hadn't touched a drop in like eight months. And we yeah. took all these small shots together. And I was like hung over for three days. And I was like, yeah, I like not drinking. This is good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot better. Yeah, as you get older, you like, yeah, I can't do it like I used to. In college, it was a little different, man. 
Yeah. So you were talking a little bit about, you know, aspirations of the NBA and the NFL. You had more of that NFL player body. When were you competing more competitively? Was it middle school, high school? Like, when did you think, okay, I got a shot at doing this professionally? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the switch turned on in, in high school of just like that, that, well, I think football was always, obviously, it's clearly a competitive sport, right? It's just a physical violence sport. I think in high school, maybe late high school, probably around junior year, um, sophomore, junior year, it was just like, okay, like I want to be able to use this to go to college at least, right? My granddad played in the NFL. I'd love to go there one day, but like ultimately let me use this as a means to an end. Uh, and then senior year of high school, it was more of like, okay, like let's do something special with this and take this a little further than just college. I say that, but then when I got into college, it was a real shock to me in terms of, well, I guess this is the best way to say it. One of my favorite rappers, my favorite rapper is J. Cole. One of the things he always, he said at the end of his song, Too Deep for the Intro, which was actually one of his first songs that I ever listened to, is if they don't know your dreams, then they can't shoot them down. And I remember being in college studying at Penn for an exam and hearing that, and I'm just like, whoa, that was major, right? Like, and so for me, it was like as a freshman, sophomore, it was like, okay, well, I want to go to the NFL, but I'm in a place where that's not necessarily the thing to do. Right. Right. So let me just go ahead and work for it in silence, but not tell anybody else so that people can't shoot down my dream coat what are you talking about come on man go get the internship do this do that i still did all those things get an internship and everything like that but ultimately in my mind it was like well i want to run businesses one day startup capital if i can fund it myself let's go do it through the nfl right yeah. so i can remember in certain games literally as early as sophomore year where i'd be tired and you know the first time you're tired it's you, you hear the voices from the sideline. Let's go, Colt. Let's get it, baby. And that's, that's fuels you. That fuels you. But then you get into a double overtime game, right? We actually played Dartmouth and we went into a double overtime game and I'm like, whoo, I really am tired. Right. Yeah. And then, so I started thinking like, well, this play right here can help me get to the NFL, can help me get startup capital to run my business, to create these cultures, to impact people, to change lives. Now my motivation was different. And so I remember like those are some of my earliest memories of like I'm doing this to get to the NFL. But I think that some of my purpose was a little bit different than most people trying to get to the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you're in high school thinking about I'm curious, like you're in high school. Do you think you have a chance of pro? And if so, you know, UPenn is a great school. They've sent people obviously to the league. I went to Cornell. I don't know if you know Kevin Booth, but obviously mm -hmm. Super Bowl winner on the Giants. So it's possible. But were you thinking at all like, you know, if I go to Penn, I'm going to get that warden, the business education, but that sacrifices my shot at the league? Yeah, I think it, it it's definitely a harder route to go. Um, in high school, I really wanted to play big time ball. Got an injury my third to last game. Kept playing, but but ultimately realized that like, what all the adults are saying about your one play away from everything being gone, like your sport being gone forever was true. So decided to go, had an opportunity to go to Penn and Princeton, decided to go to Penn and 
Um, my grandfather really made me feel comfortable in that decision because he said, hey, Cope, if you're good enough, they're going to come find you. And I'm never going to lie to you. Lying to you be like lying to myself. What good does that do anybody? But I think you're good enough. But you got to keep working. You got to keep doing extra, running extra, lifting, all that stuff. You got to stay healthy. You can't let drugs distract, detract you. You can't let women detract you from the ultimate goal and vision. And at that point, it was like, okay, let's go be the big fish in the small pond, so to speak, and uh, go the hard route. Yeah. Um, what an impact. This is your mom's dad? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Is he still around? Unfortunately not. He passed uh, 2019, January 6th of 2019. Um, unfortunately, battle with Alzheimer's, dementia, CTE, um, Parkinson's, literally a bunch of different things. But uh, the impact that he left on, obviously, me and my family, he had six grandsons. He had three daughters. Each of them had two sons. So he, he always said, I got back you know, at the world two times with getting my boys and stuff. So, you know, he, he definitely left a major impact on our lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful, man. Is there anything you can look at the way he lived his life, any habits, routines, philosophies that you could, you think about that maybe caused him to be who he was? Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm actually, you know, shameless plug. I'm doing a Ted talk on, on it actually. Uh, not trying to time stamp or date this thing, but uh, it'll be April 10th. And talking about one of the things that he, lessons that he taught me that I think really carried so far beyond just like the simple phrasing that he put around it. But, um, but actually I read a, a speech at his funeral about some of the life lessons that he taught us and how I wish that a lot of people in this world received those lessons, but you know, a few of them, not obviously removing the one from Ted talk. I, I remember one of the best, one of the better lessons that I, I got from him was that people aren't put on this earth to please you. And uh, it literally happened because my brother and I were, we got into a fight and you know, my granddad grabbed me from the house and just was like, you know, what are you doing? I'm, well, I told Chad that he needs to do X, Y, and Z. He's my younger brother. He's supposed to do it, right? Uh, well, God didn't put Chad on this earth to please you. God didn't put you on this earth to please me, right? Like, you can't depend on other people to make you happy, right? And so for me, it was like I was 12 years old, 15 years old. I can't remember how old, but it's something that's always stuck with me because I've always thought about, well, there's a lot of things that I have to roll up my sleeves and get done. Or, I mean, this is going to sound negative. When you depend too much on people, inevitably they will let you down, right? That's not and negative to me, that's just point, realistic. Exactly, you know? exactly. And, it, and at some point, you know, there's, a certain amount of accountability that you have to have and ownership that you have to have over your own life. And for me, that's one thing that I've always carried with me in terms of how I operate and how I do business. I have a great team. They make me look way better than I am. Really big shout out to them. Um, but 
but ultimately there's nothing that they do that they don't know or that they don't feel confident that Brandon would be willing to roll up his sleeves and do this himself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If need be. I think that unfortunately there's a lot of times where us as people and individuals, we wait on that next person or somebody else who said that they would do something to give us that shot, to give us that opportunity, to give us that chance to make that intro for us. Mm-hmm. And it never comes. And unfortunately those people weren't put on this earth solely to please us solely to make that intro solely to make that opportunity it's on us at some point in time to create that opportunity or create that intro create that chance and so again i kind of my extreme personality as my wife says kind of takes things and runs with it and run with it i guess um but that's that's like an example yeah that's a good one um, where did you meet your wife? At Penn. We met our first day at Penn. And uh, unfortunately, she was, you know, stupid back then because I was, it was love at first sight for me. I told her, yeah, you know, I'm Brandon Copeland. Clearly, you need to be with me. Unfortunately, <laughs> she, you know, she had a boyfriend at the time and she stayed with her boyfriend the entire time she was in college. And and, uh, you know, we, we didn't start dating until maybe about a year and a half or so after college, but we were literally best friends the entire time and stuff. So it ended up working out beautifully, clearly. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, she just clearly was way behind the curve in not <laughs> taking, my, <laughs> taking my advances back then, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. well, no, I mean, that's, a pattern I actually see sometimes with relationships is did you like focus more on yourself during college and kind of trust that there would be an opportunity with her down the road? Um, you know, yeah. did you really know, and you're like, I'm willing to kind of be on the sidelines or just be friends with her. Like what advice would you give to someone who might be in your position where it's like, they're really like someone, but that other person is in a relationship. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that she actually said later on, it was our senior year of college, is um, she said that, well, no, actually, let me pull it back. I think to, to answer your question directly is life doesn't wait on people, right? And so uh, while I thought that it would be very cool if we could at least try, um, if it didn't come, I couldn't, you know, I wouldn't hold my breath, so to speak. Right. And I think that I got comfortable saying, I understand that the life that I want for myself, it, I see the picture, I see the vision. It has to happen regardless of if you're in it or not. I know that that sounds, I, one, this isn't the pickup line. I'm just telling you right now. Like, don't do, don't go and say this as the pickup line, right? It, it won't last, right? Guys, but Brandon is not know. a certified dating coach. Just disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's more of the mental thing. I mean, it actually, I mean, yeah, it's more of a mental thing, right? But it's like it's this is the life I want. Regardless, I'm going to make this happen, and the other. That your significant other or your spouse is your partner in creating that with you and supporting you in that. If you all have aligned visions, right? Um, 
And so I think, again, you know, I, I remember we were, the way it happened, like we were best friends for some time. And then at a, about a year and a half after college, I think it was like homecoming or something, right? I was off of a team at the time and went back to school at homecoming. We went to dinner, you know, wine to diner at TGI Fridays or something. You know, I was on the unemployed at the time. So it was like, hey, let's go ahead. And I, I like TGI Fridays though. So whether I was employed or unemployed, that's where we were going. Um, and, and I remember, you know, us talking about our friendship and, you know, me saying, hey, like we're both single. We might as well try this thing. And she was like, well, I don't want to ruin the friendship. So this is the part you can start listening. I don't want to ruin the friendship. I don't want to do X, Y, Z. All right. For those guys trying to take notes right now. And I'm like, well, listen, like we were 20. I can't remember our age at the time, 24, maybe 23. I don't know. And I'm like, listen, we can't be best friends forever. Right. Like at a certain point, I love it to happen, but ultimately the person I end up dating and marrying, she's not going to be comfortable with me calling you at 10, 10 p.m. at night and laughing and joking with you on the phone. And the dude that you end up marrying ain't going to be happy with that either, probably. Right. Like, so our friendship is going to end regardless. We can either try and, and see if it ends that way or we can just let life go on and not try and then always kind of wonder in the back of our heads. Well, what if? And for me personally, I just don't like what ifs, right? And so fortunately, I don't know how that, that ended up working. And fortunately, our relationship has worked um, worked well for us, so. Yeah, well, you, you put yourself out there and you said, come on, like, we're both single. We obviously have chemistry. We've had this friendship. Yeah. And to me, you kind of stepped up and you said, let's, let's go for this. And I love what you said about the best friend. I, the only thing I wonder is like, how were you guys able to be best friends for so long? while she was in a, another relationship or was it you guys were younger maybe it was it was a college relationship she had it wasn't as serious yeah no we were best friends I mean we were literally friends like no like strictly platonic like being able to talk with each other confide in each other all of that type of stuff so um same way you could call a friend and just laugh with them about what just happened or what somebody just said that's how we were right yeah. um and especially like the end latter part of college, but then also the end of co uh, like right upon graduation and things like that, entering into the NFL, calling her and and talking with her about what's going on and what I'm seeing and, and her and, and what she was doing in her life as well. So, um, but yeah, that, it ended up working out for us. I understand it is hard for a lot of people, um, but yeah, we're one of those. It's funny because a lot of people used to always say you can't have a girl best friend, you can't have, a, you know, you can't have a female best friend, you can't have a male best friend. You're like, what you talking about? We're best friends. We ain't never do. We never did anything, you know. And then years <laughs> later, we got a kid and all that stuff. It's like, all right, yeah, gotta watch that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so she definitely can't have any male best friends right now. I'm gonna let her oh, know that right now. You know, guys, and I'm sure I probably can either, but <laughs> <laughs> don't let it happen. Um, right. So. So how did you get from being at UPenn, you got this dream, J. Cole, you're not telling anyone about it. Um, how did you get to the league? And then I'm also really curious, how did you go from being like a practice squad guy, like an NFL floater to, okay, I'm a starter on the New England Patriots. Because to yeah. me, that's the place, like I met so many athletes. Yeah, I got signed, I undrafted free agent rookie, you know, float around a few years. Okay. But you're, you know, you're on the league, you're, 
starter on the New England Patriots. Like, how did you do that? That's really interesting to me. Yeah, no, I think I'll answer that question first. All mental, literally all mental. And, you know, it's I needed the first year and a half of my career, first two years of my career to be going in on my ninth season now. For those who don't know, my first year I was practice squad, cut a few times during the year. Um, and then my second year, I was two weeks practice squad and then cut the whole year, did some workouts. But basically, hey, you're not good enough for this thing anymore. Um, good luck to you. Use your pen degree. And for me, when I remember stepping on the field those first couple of years, I was a I had to switch positions completely, right? Like not even like remotely similar positions, but from hand down in the dirt, always going forward since the fourth grade to middle linebacker calling plays, dropping in coverage. Like I didn't even know the terminology. And now I'm on the Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens team. And the the year after Ray Lewis retired, I'm playing Mike linebacker. It's not an excuse at all. It's more of a like, it's going to take a little bit of time to understand these different gaps and where I'm supposed to hit and fit and all of that stuff, right? Um, But with that learning curve, there was also the mental question of, can I do this, right? Like, this is my first time in coverage ever in my life. And now this is Jacoby Jones, who was arguably the Super Bowl MVP that I have to cover. Right. Or Torrey Smith or Tyrod Taylor running out of the backfield. Right. Like these are like, whoa. okay. so there was always that question, which I ended up being able to keep in the league for a decent amount. But it was just that question. And I think when I came out of the league and came back after a year of training, and just focusing on me mentally and physically, when I came back in the league, it was, there's no one on this field that can mess with me, period. I would use a different word, but we're, you know, we're trying to censor ourselves and stuff like that, but there's no one on this field that can mess with me, right? In my training and in my preparation, it is prepare as if I'm, you know, these guys are out here working to beat me, right? I, I never feel like I've done enough, never feel like I've done enough. I woke up this morning, 6.30, into the chiropractors at 7.30, went to boxing and cardio training from 8 to 9, then did a full speed workout from 9 to 11, then did physical therapy on my pec from 11 to 12.30. We'll do pool workout later on this evening. And still, in my mind, did I do enough, right? Now, when I get onto the field, however, that it doesn't matter if I did enough or not. There's no one here that can, that has outworked me, that will outwork me, that can beat me. And that mental switch is literally, in my opinion, the difference between being practice squad and being on the 53 man roster. Um, the final thing I'll say as well, I remember my year coming back into the league and uh, I was with the Detroit Lions in 2015 and this guy, Travis Lewis, was one of our linebackers. And right before the game, he posted this picture with this caption. It's from a movie, but I didn't know it was from a movie at that time. I just thought it was a really dope caption. And obviously, it's also based off of a biblical verse as well. But 
he, he's walking through the tunnel before the game and it, everything he's like, you know, done a little vignette where everything is dark around him. Yeah. Right. And he said, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because I'm the baddest MFR in the valley. And that mindset right there has literally been the thing that I literally will say it in my head before play every once in a while, before quarter starts or something like that, before game starts. And it's just like, yeah, like what, what do I need to fear? What play can you run that I haven't seen that I can't stop that my training hasn't prepared me for? And it's just changed my career completely. Is that a, a self-belief that you've carried with you from a young age? Is that something your grandfather told you that he saw in you that you reinforced and believed and felt? No, I think sadly, you know, I've always been the guy who's overtrained and overworked because I was afraid of not being adequate enough, not being good enough. Yeah. And again, it it's worked out for me in my, my training habits, right? Like, if I was used to just doing an hour workout and being done, I probably still wouldn't, I wouldn't be in the lead today. Right. But like me, I'm used to overworking. Right. I show up to the gym. It's, we're training with other NFL guys and I might be five minutes late and they're like, dang, Kobe, you a big time. You, what you handling some business and stuff like that. Well, little do you know, I just left a whole other workout. Like a lot of you would be done for the day but I'm just starting up, right? Like that was my warm up, the whole workout, you know? Yeah. And that's why I'll be here for much longer than you will, period, right? I know that in my mental, but again, I don't have to tell him that. It's all good, you know? Um, and, and so I think, you know, for me, to answer your question, for me, it's not something that was necessarily instilled in me at a young age. It's something that I've grown into. And, you know, I, I can see it, on a weekly basis in season because I used to get extremely nervous before games. Like I have all these videos. I actually remember this college video I used to watch of Mike Tyson talking about how he was so nervous before he stepped into the ring. He so feared, he feared this man to beat him. I, all my training, I've envisioned him beat me. I step into the ring, I'm a God, I'm unstoppable. No one can stop me, right? And I remember watching that before college games at Penn, just trying to get my mind like, get the nerves out, get the nerves out literally maybe four or five games into the NFL, I don't get nervous before games anymore because now it's about me and my preparation. I think that's the biggest thing. I've taken it out of other people's hands and I'm more so, hey, Brandon, have you done everything you need to do to feel 100% confident in you today on this beautiful Sunday, right? Have you done your routine, your recovery, your stretching, your massage, your warm up? your training, your lifting, your film study, all of that stuff, if you've checked all of those boxes, what the hell should you be nervous about? <laughs> you prepare, you know what I'm saying? It's like going into a game and, and knowing all the answers to the test. So uh, that's, I think the difference is literally just the mental switch. And I think, you know, to, to bring it back home is like, because clearly everybody listening to this is not playing in the NFL. These are things that I apply to my life. There's literally things where I still get imposter syndrome. I remember my first time on CNBC and they're literally like, I'm in the suit and I'm just sweating. I'm like, whoo, these lights are brighter than usual, right? I've been on TV a bunch of times. I've done a bunch of interviews, but now this is a different audience. But whoo, okay, imposter syndrome creeps in. Should I be here? What if they ask me something about the markets? And I think I know about the markets, but I don't really know what they know. You know, 
And at a certain point, the lights click on, bro, you deserve to be here, right? <laughs> like yeah. you've trained to be here. What, what else? As long as you put in the work in anything that you're trying to do, what are you nervous about, right? Yeah. That's Take it out of other point. people's hands. That's a good point. Cause you don't want to just do like a rah, rah, like, Oh, I'm good enough. I belong here. I'm deserve it. But if you have that authentic belief plus like for me, you know, I just had Matthew McConaughey on the podcast. Yeah. I deserve mm -hmm. it. I believe. And I've watched a thousand hours of Joe Rogan, Howard Stern studying. How do they interview? How can I be the best interviewer on that? And then apply that yeah. and show up. Okay. I do deserve it now. Yeah. There you go. 100%. You don't let your ego get in the way. That's the thing. A lot of us, we let our ego get in the way. Oh, I'm too cool. I've, I've done this before. I've ready. I'm ready. And then we get that big opportunity yeah. and you're practicing and you're experimenting in that big opportunity as opposed to shining through. I always think about the last thing I'll say about it is like, when you look at Floyd Mayweather, right? Like, a lot of people, you know, he's polarizing individual. I love Floyd Mayweather, right? I think he talks. I, I love him. I mean, you yeah. can say, oh, he's bad attitude. He's 50 and 0. Like, that's all that I care yeah. about. Yeah. And I think, you know, from a business standpoint, he's an actor, right? Like, he's really entertaining. And similar, they used to say Muhammad Ali would talk to people right before a talk show and be, be nice and humble and be like, all right, you ready for the show? Cool. You big old oaf. You, you know, and like, he's entertaining, right? Yeah. But if you watch Floyd Mayweather, his training, all this stuff up before the show, before the boxing match, it's not a joke, but it's like entertainment. Yeah. When he is walking to the ring, it is straight face. When he's preparing for his fight, like go back and look at it. He's it's straight face. It's no smiling. It's no haha, -ha, like it's no Adrian Broner stuff, you know, no yeah. offense to Adrian, but it's like it's straight face, it's I'm locked in. Yeah. And that is like. I admire that. It's like, this is not a game, right? I know when to prepare. I know when to lock in. And once I'm locked in, you can't, you can't beat me. And that's clearly what Floyd has done. Yeah. I have tremendous respect for him too. And, you know, one of the quotes that you make me think about when you're telling your story is the Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. And so when someone, I think it was the Lions, or you said, someone said to you, Brandon, you're not good enough. You in the back of your mind say, no, I am good enough. And either you're wrong or maybe you're right temporarily and I need to beef up my skill set or whatever. But it seems like that belief, like I can be a starter, not I just deserve it, but I deserve it and I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to be that, got you to this point. Yeah, I think like, I've heard... I'm not good enough since I was in elementary school, right? From home. And I think that from coaches, basketball coaches, you know, you're too big, too slow, too this. I don't know if this kid's athletic enough, right? Like all of those types of things, right? And again, it's 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 life, right? Like a lot of people let that stuff beat them up. And it, it probably has to a certain extent, right? It's, it's got me this hard exterior, so to speak, right? Around my heart. Right. But but ultimately, it's more about like if you are so dependent on other people's opinions, you'll never accomplish a damn thing in this world. And I've, I've gotten really, really comfortable and confident with that because you're never going to be good enough for somebody. Somebody's always going to think you're not like funny enough. You don't look good. You don't look the part. You're never like you. You'll never be able to please everybody. 
Yeah. Right. So if you choose to listen to that one comment or those 20% of comments that say like negative things, then you'll allow that to detract you from you and your purpose. So I say all that to say, like, for me, I've heard that for so many times in my life. Um, I still, to this day, like when I get signed to a team or anything, I look at the comments because I use it for motivation. I still, I, I see it. I see, I remember when I signed to the Lions, Lions and they said, oh, we just signed some special Eddie linebacker out of nowhere, right? Like, <laughs> damn, like, sheesh, Woo, you don't even know me, but like, but I still have the screenshots and I still use it for motivation, but it doesn't necessarily, I use it. And I think that that's what we have to do is, is like, if you can find a way to make sure that you can take exterior influences and repurpose those to use them for yourself, yeah. then that's cool. But if we all, like if your success, Brendan, was was predicated, or if you felt your success was predicated off of my opinion of the podcast or Matthew McConaughey's opinion of the podcast, it's not going to get you that far. Because ultimately, even if we think it's the best in the world, there's still so many other people out there who you're just be trying to be a pinball bouncing back and forth to please. And that's just not, you're not gonna get your stuff accomplished that way. So hopefully that answers your question. Sorry, I know I kind of go in tangents, but I, I like to make sure that a, a lot of people see some of the things that we do. We, and I say, we, my team and I do, and they're like, oh, he's a football player, he's this, he's that. And and we do the financial literacy class. And, and, and a lot of times people think the money thing specifically are simply because I'm in the NFL and they think that I'm making some crazy amount of money. I am making more than the average person and I'm very blunt in saying that. Yeah. I work hard for it. I'm, I have no problem saying that, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. But it's, a, it's the mindset that makes me different, <laughs> right? Like I'm not, I don't have to, I could literally be the guy that comes home and, and does nothing and my family and I'd be good, but ultimately the life that I really want, the vision that I really have, it's, it's much bigger than this. The people I want to help, I have to do much more than this. And football is just the start and the vehicle to help me get there. And yeah, so again, I just want people to get the mindset. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's why I reached out to you for the show. Cause I'm, I'm looking at your website. I think I saw you on LinkedIn before anywhere mm-hmm. else. And it's like, okay investor, real estate, crypto, 501c3, teaching at Penn. I was like, who is this guy? I was like, this guy's me and he's an NFL player. <laughs> it's like, I found my mirror who's also on the Patriots. We got to get yeah, him on right. the show. Yeah, no, nah, man. I love well, I, that stuff too, so. Uh, 100%. Well, I appreciate you, man. It's, it's uh, like, again, I mean, the hat, you know, I kept the hat on for a reason. I was wearing it for, for training today, but the hustle just doesn't stop. My brother looked at me this morning when we got on FaceTime because we got a, something we got to shoot tomorrow. He's like, bro, you look tired. I'm like, I am. You know what I'm saying? But again, I know that there's this light at the end of the tunnel that I am working for, right? I'm getting me some sleep. Sleep is important. I will admit that. I get, get us some, you got to get you some really good sleep. Um, and, and I got to, personally, I, I have to be better at saying no. And, and um, 
but ultimately, again, it's it, me. I'm not necessarily the only thing special about me is my mindset. And whether it's football or if I never could play it down. And again, knock on wood, I love what I do. I love coming out there on Sundays. I love having a, a, a whole city's, well, two cities' emotions in my hands, right? Whether you win or lose, the team you play for, that city, you know, they, they care, right? And that team you're playing against, that city cares, right? I love playing in away stadiums and hearing boos, making a big play and hearing boos, right? Like, I love that, right? That's what I, it's, it's a passion thing. But ultimately, trying to take these different passions and string them together so that they create this life that you want for yourself, that's really what I'm, I'm about. And I, I think I'm just sharing my process along the way. Yeah. I love that. Do you have, um, we'll start to wrap up here and I definitely want to give you opportunity to share where people can find you and learn all about all your projects, but do you have a defining play from your time in the league? Like that you, that you think fondly about or want to share? Yeah, I think my first sack in the league was, was good. Actually, I guess I got a sack earlier, but one of my first sack with the jets, uh, you know, unfortunately, it was a two sack game. I think that there's a lot of things that it's funny when you come out of pen, right? It's not like a lot of people are looking at you like you're, you know, Khalil Mack or somebody, but um, you know, it was one of my, it was my, would have been my first two sack game, but we had a, a defensive pass interference on the second one. But I think for me, that was a really defining moment because it was one of those, okay. I deserve to be here thing, right? And so now you get the first sack. We're playing against the Dolphins, right in Tannehill, come through on the inside, beat two blocks, and then sack them. And it was just like, whoa, through all of this stuff, right? Like my first full NFL sack by myself, it felt so good. Then a few, you know, I don't know if it was a few plays later, maybe a few quarter, a couple, a quarter later or so, get sack him again. And again, we got the DPI, but that was like, that's a two sack game in the NFL, right? Like that's, that, that you, you deserve to be here. And for me, it's more of a, like, I couldn't have, I couldn't imagine a time when I thought of quitting, right? When I thought like, Imagine if I did decide this is too much for me, or imagine if I did decide that that coach was right, yeah. right? Like, oh, I, I'm not good enough for the league, right? Like, I've had a head coach in the NFL tell me that. You might be too fat or too slow to make it in this league, right? Like, a lot of people would crumble under that. Yeah. And literally, you know, years and years later, beyond that, we're playing. So imagine if you listened <laughs> to that stuff your wife wouldn't be sitting in the stands right now. Your mom wouldn't be sitting in the stands right now. Your brother wouldn't be sitting in the stands right now. Your son, unfortunately, he didn't get to come. You know, he's too young, but he's been too young to ever see me play uh, in person. Well, to really know, but like that to me was the dream, you know, coming after a big game and, and going and hugging and kissing them. That's one of the dreams, so to speak. So. Well, man, thank you for sharing that. Um, Anything else you want to leave the audience with? And definitely 
share, you know, where can people find you? Uh, hustle don't stop, like you have merch, <laughs> website, like how can people get more into your system and learn more about what you're doing? In yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah. First and foremost, you follow me at bcope51, B-C-O-P-E-5-1 on Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, I think. Uh, I think that's my, my handle on there. Uh, but, you know, come take a class. We do a class, Life 101, right? www.life101.io. That's literally live access to me virtually Tuesday every, excuse me, live access to me virtually on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, right? And, and what that class is, is just talking about the major life decisions we all have to face, how to buy a house, your credit, budgeting, investing, um, wills and estates, all of those different types of things. So, and we literally sit live and, and talk it through. We have experts that come and stuff like that, but that's life101.io. We have some free resources on the website that people can use to calculate income taxes and and budgets and things like that. I'll be dropping a video about what you should do or what you could do with your stimulus checks um, coming here shortly. But ultimately, um, you know, sign up, take a class, come see me, come hang out and, and also come build the community. We, we keep learning from growing pains and, and making the same mistake over and over, but we shouldn't keep making the same financial mistakes, right? Like somebody Let's just share them. And then we all don't have to keep going through that same trap door. Yeah, man. This stuff is so important, guys. Check it out. I remember when I was living in New York City, working in finance, and this girl said to me, Brandon, it's not, I don't care how much money you make. I care mm. what you do with that money. Because mm. you can go make 700K, one and a half million, and then go rent out. Like my friend was renting out Leonardo DiCaprio's old place in Tribeca, <laughs> 12K a month in rent. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, dude, save four months of that and go get down payment or what, you know, yeah. take your last year's bonus and go buy a place. Like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. And so but it looks, it looks fancy on the outside. <laughs> and it's one of them things I'd be curious, you know, if, uh, if you talk to your friend, if he like regrets it at all and some things you gotta, you have to live. I get that. But like sure. some things sure. about the longer term living, living comfortably or more than comfortably forever. And so, you know, I just want to, you know, what, what, what we're about is I felt like when I got to the NFL, a lot of people gave me a bunch of financial advice, bunch of money advice, bunch of tax strategy, bunch of investment opportunity. And I'm like, why didn't you get that to my mom or my brother? Or you wouldn't give it to my wife, right? But you'll give it to the NFL player just because of my title as an NFL player. So I want everyone to have access to this stuff. We're trying to democratize the access to information and yep. we're starting with financial education. Yeah. Brandon Copeland, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the impact that you're making in this world. And uh, I hope to stay in touch with you and would love to have you back for round two at some point. So. That sounds good to me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you do and, and looking forward to uh, continue to follow up and, and watch your progress in the future, man. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.